as you're taking your, your seats this morning, I, I do want to go to the book of Titus, the second chapter. Book of Titus, the, the second chapter. The second chapter of Titus starts with Paul exhorting Titus to be bold, to speak the things which become sound doctrine. Telling Titus what those things are, aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith. Aged women be likewise, in other words, the same, becometh holiness, staying sober, being temperate. And so on, exhorting Titus to exhort those he is overseeing in Crete. And all of these exhortations from Paul lead up to what I believe the Lord wants us to hear this morning, starting in verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And for the remainder of our time together this morning, I want to preach to you what we just read together. Let no man despise thee. Amen. And as you're closing your Bibles and taking your seats, let's go to the Lord in prayer for the remainder of our time. Jesus, you are the author. You are the finisher of our faith, oh God. And we put our complete trust, our complete hope in you, Jesus, because you are the author and finisher of our faith, oh God. Lord, help us today and every day to be hearers of your word and doers of your word. Let us take these things to heart today and apply them to our lives, oh God, so that we can see you more fully and understand you more fully. And I pray all of these things. Hallelujah. Let me be a vessel for you today, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. When we read this term appeared unto all men, do you suppose that that excluded anyone? Do you suppose that anyone was left out of that verse that we read? If I can help you out a bit, it does not. When we read appear to all, unto all men, this means all either have seen, will see, and will have some sort of response to the grace of God that brings salvation. This is talking about salvation and how we respond will determine our destiny. Salvation, that which was preached first on the day of Pentecost by Peter, but throughout all the Bible we see and read about the God of our salvation. In Psalms, we read that our salvation comes from Him. Jonah proclaims that salvation belongs to the Lord. In fact, the word salvation directly appears 182 times throughout all of Scripture. And the majority of that time, those direct words, is found in the book of Psalms. Praise God. At some point in everyone's life, salvation will be presented to them. 
Maybe you're joining us here today or you're joining us online today and this is your first time hearing about this message of salvation. And if it is, allow me the liberty to tell you that you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit as we read in John chapter 3, verse 5. You must repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And no, it's not a natural birth, but a spiritual birth. Brother Michael, the water's good to go in the baptismal tank, right? All right, all right. If you desire to be baptized, today is your day of salvation. And right now is the time to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what, what each person does and what each person has done or will do in response to hearing the message of salvation in Jesus' name again determines their destiny. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I am right with him and that I follow his word now so when the day comes and I see him face to face, I can rest assured. Oh, help me, Jesus. I want to be a witness of what the Lord has done for me. And I feel so heavy in my spirit right now that there is a hunger for the lost world that's been rising up in this place. Hallelujah. There's been a hunger for revival that has been rising up in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, church. Don't deny that feeling. Don't deny that thought that has crossed your mind about witnessing to your family member, to your co-worker, to your neighbor. Jesus, give us a hunger like never before. Give us a desire like never before. We want to see your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, church. We can take just a moment. When we pray that prophetic prayer before service, you know, the one that reads, we see them saved, delivered, and healed. If you are praying that, then I implore you to walk in that. Hallelujah. And since salvation has appeared unto you, what more reason do you need to share it with those around you? What more reason do you need to be a living testimony of his grace, of his faithfulness, of his love and mercy? Praise God. Amen. As we continue on in this chapter 2, we read about the aftermath, if you will, of salvation appearing unto all men. That is to teach us. And the Lord has impressed in my spirit to define each of those things we read about in that verse number 12 starting with denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. What is ungodliness? Well, plainly enough, it is not of God. It is the opposite of reverence to God and is right in alignment with wickedness. It's a refusal to give honor where honor is due. It's refusing to give honor to God and keeping Him at the center of everything. So to deny ungodliness is to do the very opposite of that, to keep him at the very center. Oh, and it seems like every time I come up here, I feel the unction from the Holy Ghost to tell you to keep him at the center and to ask what is keeping him from the center in your lives. Whether big or small, is it worth it at all? Moving from that, we are not only to deny ungodliness, but also worldly lusts. Oh, church, there are so many things that try to grasp our attention and our time. 
And can I tell you that I'm preaching to, as much to myself as I am to you today? Is that all right? Help me, Jesus. There are things that try to grab our attention from God. And when they do, while the moment they grab us away from God may be real cool or kind of neat or, wow, this is a great feeling, there's nothing that can fill that gap that you just created there by scooting God out of the way. Let me give you an example. When a person walks into a Walmart, any, any of you ever been to Walmart? All right, good. I'm not alone, good. So when, when, you, when a person walks into Walmart, they are blasted with all of these sale items, these clearance items, these things you didn't know you needed until you, uh, until you uh, are walking out of the store with them. You know what I'm talking about. These things that just grab your attention every which way. You're so overwhelmed when you walk into the store that now you're stuck. It seems as though every time I walk into Walmart, I walk out with something more than uh, what I intended to. My wife can profess to this. Whether it be a soda from the checkout line or, as my wife would do, a toy for our kids or, or anything, really. Can you all relate? Okay, good. It's because Walmart knows what they're doing. They know how to appeal to everyone that walks in the door, whether you like it or not. Someone went to a lot of work to do that, a lot of work. Church, the same is true in regards to worldly lusts. Those things that draw your attention away from God are not always of the devil. But you better believe that when the devil sees you taking more time for those things and less time for God, that he counts it as a victory, that he takes out his notebook and says, yep, I got him or I got her for the day. I'm going to check his name off today. Yep, I got his attention. He's not paying attention to God any longer. That's a victory for me. It's time to take back what was God's to begin with. It's time to deny those things that have grasped our attention. And I don't know what that is for you, but I can tell you that it's time. I don't know what's been taking you away from the presence of the Lord, but it's time to take back what was and what is and what will be God's. Hallelujah. Go ahead and try it. Go ahead and submit yourselves to God, putting him back at the very helm of your ship, of your life ship, and see the changes that begin to happen in your life. Wait on the Lord, and he will renew your strength. Wait on the Lord, and you will rise up like eagles. Hallelujah. Wait on the Lord, and you will not grow weary. You will not grow faint. Hallelujah. Go ahead and wait on God. And those things that try to take your attention away from God will no longer be important to you because you're so focused on Him. You're waiting on Him. You're saying, Lord, I'll do whatever. I'll listen to you for whenever and however and wherever I need to go, whatever I need to do. These things don't matter any longer. Can I tell you, it's going to take a little work, though, church. You know why? Because those things have grasped your attention for so long that now you've got to tell them no. You know how hard... My microphone off. You know how hard it is to say no to something once you've said yes to it for so long? That's why there's addictions. That's why there's chains. That's why there's bondage. It didn't start that way. It started with something small, and it began to build up from there. And it built up so fully that it just overtook somebody. 
Whatever that may be for you, it's time to give that, those things back to God. It's time to give your mind back to God. It's time to give your heart back to God. It's time to give your body back to God. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. On the contrary, in that very same verse, we are told along with denying ungodliness and worldly lusts to then live soberly, righteously, and godly. To live soberly is to live with a sound mind. The, the helps word studies states the word soberly is moderately, reflecting the radical balance birthed from within by faith from the Lord. Let me take that a step further. That means that in order to live in such a way, there is a direct connection to faith in God. So in order for us to live soberly, we have to have a connection with God. One can see this, living, this as living safe-minded. How many of you believe the word when you read of the, that the Lord is a strong tower and a shelter? Well, church, since he is our strong tower, who keeps watch over you and me as the great shepherd, then I can rest assured that he always is beside me, that he always goes before me. And remember that his glory is my rear guard. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He took care of me then. He's taken care of me now, and he will continue to take care of me. He delivered me then, he can deliver me now, and he will continue to deliver me. Hallelujah. He protected me then, he's protecting me now, and he will continue to protect me. He saved me then, he's saving me now, and he'll continue to save me. Oh, come on, can we rejoice for just a moment that we serve an ever-loving Savior, that we serve an ever-present Savior. Hallelujah. Oh, give him some praise in this place for just a moment. Yes, Lord. Whoo, hallelujah. We can rest assured or we can have, you guys are going to laugh at this, this, this safe mind that he is our protector. He is our helmet of salvation. Having this sober mind, we believe and trust who he is. Having this sober mind means having one that does not worry about tomorrow for today has enough troubles of its own. It means trusting God through whatever situation you may be facing and leaning on Him rather than anything this world has to offer. That is a sober mind. Along with a sober mind, we must live righteously or approved of God. It is to live right according to God, not according to the world. Now, at the risk of sounding repetitive, I've already touched base on what it means to deny ungodliness, and here is the, here is the same thing. I love when, when I read in Scripture of what not to do, and then literally right next to that is what to do. That tells you and I that God will not leave you comfortless. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not. 
He will not leave you confused. He will not leave you perplexed. What do I do? I'm not doing this. What do I do now? No. His word fulfills his word. Hallelujah. His word holds true to his word. (laughs) He won't leave you without an answer. If you've read any bit of his word, even just the first few pages of your Bible, barely scraping the first few chapters in Genesis, his comfort is made evident. Remember when Adam and Eve were essentially kicked out of the garden after eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Do you remember why? It was to keep them from eating of the tree of life. Why? They may not have understood it at the time, but here, because if they would have eaten from the tree, they would have been eternally damned. There's his comfort. Out of his judgment of man came mercy. He did not leave man comfortless. He saved mankind. Hallelujah. He saved mankind from eternal punishment. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. Hallelujah. And last but not, certainly not least, we must live godly. No, that is not saying to be God. You are not God. You must live for Him. But it's rather, this is talking about our full devotion to God. All of these correlate together in such a beautiful way. I trust God. I believe God. I follow God. These three cannot be separated from one another. I cannot believe God if I don't trust Him. I cannot follow God if I don't believe Him. I cannot trust Him if I don't believe Him. I cannot believe Him if I don't follow Him. Hallelujah. What's even better? Well, when we do all of these things when? In this present world. Another version replaces world with age. This present age. What does that mean? Right now. What does that mean? At this very moment. That means not yesterday, for yesterday has already happened, and I'm thankful that we can choose to die daily, to repent and be forgiven. Amen. As Paul says in, his, in the latter part of 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now means today. Now means at this very moment. There is no time to waste. If I can have your attention, please. The wavering in your walk with God that cannot continue any longer. The lukewarmness of your faith. Oh, hallelujah. The lukewarmness of your faith in God cannot go any further today. Hallelujah. We cannot be neither hot nor cold. No, we must be on fire for him. Hallelujah. If we desire to see, if we desire to see this greater reality, which I believe we have seen glimpses of, we must live in such a way in this present world. That means not worrying about tomorrow again, for today has enough troubles of its own. 
I experienced that this week with a sink that broke and some plumbing that went awry and all these things happened at once and I thought, whoa, I wish, wish this day would end. I've got I've to think about, I'm not, I wasn't thinking about yesterday, I was thinking about that moment and that was a horrible day, let me tell you. But God is good and we got through it. But that means not worrying about tomorrow, not worrying about yesterday. We've got to worry about today. It's got enough things of its own. Hallelujah. And since he's the ever-present help in time of need, you can call on him today. Amen? Come on, somebody. When the Israelites were freed from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt, they were directed to a wilderness by the leading of Moses, who was led by God. They began to worry about where their food and drink would come from, even though God said that he would provide it for them so long as they followed his direction. They worried, but God provided. Brother Joey, you and I always have meaningful conversations when we get opportunities to connect. And when I say always, I mean always, and I appreciate them very much. Amen. I don't remember how many years ago this was. This might have been back in 2015 or something like that. I don't recall. But something you said stuck with me, and it's still sticking with me to this day. We were talking about, you know, end times and, and not having any food and things like that and maybe the times that are to come. And, and you said something along the lines of, I can't wait for the day that my food pantry is empty and I pray and peanut butter appears in the cabinet. Let me tell you, you want to talk about a faith booster. I'm thinking, I want faith like that. You built my faith that day, brother. I said, I want to get to such a place like that to where maybe I don't have food and I can pray and poof, peanut butter appears by the word of the Lord. I, I love peanut butter, so hopefully it's peanut butter. But anyways, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Brother Terry, yes. And, you know, again, when I heard that, my faith just burst through the roof. Hallelujah. You should have seen the size of the hole in the roof. What kind of faith does it take to trust God to provide when there is nothing to provide? Oh, come on, church. If you want to see his kingdom come, if we want to see his kingdom come, his will be done, the greater reality in earth as it is in heaven. Oh, come on, church. Come on. It's time. It's time we look for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Come on. You may have slipped up sometime throughout this week. Maybe you did something horrible on the way to church this morning. Maybe you said something you didn't mean to say. Maybe you are living in regret of something that you did a few years back. Maybe you are holding on to something that you don't need to hold on to any longer. Can I tell somebody that it's time to let those things go and it's time to give them to God? It's time, church. It's time to look for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Where does that hope come from? Well, it comes from Christ alone. When we have that hope, we can be zealous of good works. 
We can be eager to do good works. We can be committed to do good works. Oh, church, I can see you coming to a place right now where you are freed from the bondage that has been holding back your potential. Hallelujah. Oh, church, I can see glimpses of this greater reality that God wants to reveal more fully to the church of Omaha. Oh, but we must be in constant pursuit of him. We must be eagerly willing to do what he wants us to do. Hallelujah. To do his good works. I believe the Lord is working on the hearts right here, right now. I can feel it so deep in my spirit, hallelujah, that God wants to do something great right here, right now. Are you ready? But I want to take you to another place because I know you're ready. I know you're ready. I can feel it so heavy in my bones. Hallelujah. I want to take you to another place, and that's verse 15 where we read again of Titus chapter 2. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. I command the devil to pay back sevenfold of all the things he has stolen from me. Then continuing on into verse 15, let no man despise thee. Church, I proclaim and I exhort to you right now, let no man despise thee. You are created in the image of God. You are created to do good works for Him. And by His salvation, and by His salvation, you can do these good works. No, we are not saved by the works we do, but we are saved unto the good works. Hallelujah. That means that any opportunity that we have as we are saved and as we come before the throne to serve, that we take that opportunity to serve. That we take that opportunity to see people saved, delivered, and healed. That we take every opportunity to rebuke everything that is not of God out of our lives and commit ourselves again. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me in this place this morning? We're getting ready to come to a close, and I want the praise team to quickly make their way up here right now because I feel like God is going to do a great thing. Go ahead and stand with me all over this place. We're getting ready to praise the Lord. We're getting ready to dance before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know this may seem abrupt, but I feel that we are ready. I tell you again, let no man despise thee. You know, there's some things that we go through. There's some situations that we go through where there is a lot of toxicity. When I thought about that verse, letting no man despise thee, I thought, you know what? I'm going to start praying that over my life. Because we have the power, church, to rebuke with all authority. You know, where, you know why we have that power? Because we've been given that power from the very beginning of time. Remember where Satan is? He's under our feet. Hallelujah. We can rebuke with all authority. We can choose to not let any man despise me. Hallelujah. You may have been wronged. You may have been troubled. Hallelujah. You may have sinned. Hallelujah. You may have done something so terrible. But you know that when you call on God, the author and the finisher of your faith, ah, 
When you call on God and are submitted completely to his word, there is no man that can say anything different about it. There is no devil in hell that can tell you anything different for it's all been washed in the blood. And because it's covered in the blood, we can rejoice. And because it's covered in the blood, we can dance and shout and praise and jump before the Lord. Because it's covered in the blood, we can walk in authority. Come on, church. It's time we rejoice in this place. Hallelujah. It's time we experience the joy of the Lord all over this place. It's time. Oh, come on, somebody. I wonder if we have some people who will remember where they came from and thank God for where they are now. Hallelujah. Come on, be peculiar. Be zealous to do good works. Hallelujah. Come on. This is not a mandate from me, no. This is a mandate from God that we dance before him. Hallelujah. That we worship him. That we rejoice. Oh, come on. This is how we're ending today. We're going to end with praise. Hallelujah. Go ahead and praise him through your storm. Go ahead and praise him through your situation. Go ahead and dance before the Lord. Whatever you have need of. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Let's take it to another level. The greater reality, hallelujah, is taking it to another level. Come on, we've got to dance before the Lord. Come on, we've got to worship.